episode 20 of the Coach Pat Chat. We made um, 19 episodes so far, and I have a guest that's returning, good friend of mine, Jace Ferguson. How are we doing today? Not too bad. Uh, I remember when there was just number one, and you had had this really, really awesome guy on for your first <laughs> podcast, and you've had 19 since then. It's You're on a roll, man. Just a lot of great stuff, a lot of great speakers. Like this is really taken off and it's great that you're lining up all these people for it. Like it's, it's awesome to listen to and share out. Thanks man. And I, I figured if we're going to hit the big two, Oh, might as well bring back what, what I would call the creator of guests, uh, the original. So let's get after it. Um, so, um, how's it going with online and everything, man? How's Macau? It's, uh, do you know what? Like to be honest, I, the boat, like we're on week 10 now. So around week eight, <clears throat> it was one of those weeks where it was just like, I'm done. I'm over this. I just want to go back to normal. And I think everybody I talk to either on Twitter or just my, my professional friends around here, um, we all were just, we just hit that wall. Like it was about week eight. Now week we're into week 10 and it's about that point. It's like, ah, uh, this is the new normal. This is how it is, but it's just kind of like that holding pattern. We still are not too sure when the schools are going to be reopening or if they will be for the summer. So there's always been lots of conversation around that and what's going to happen and a lot of what ifs out there. So right, right now we're at that what if stage or what what's going to happen here. A lot of conversation based on around things we don't know. Yeah, I'm definitely at the same stage. I think, uh, dude, I don't even know. What week? I think I am on week 10. I think we started at the same time. But week 8, and uh, my wife doesn't mind me saying this. Um, she basically went to Thailand, uh, I want to say three weeks ago now, to get surgery because... Uh, and, and she's fine. She's recovered fully. Um, very healthy. Just something that needed to be done. One of those routine surgeries. And... Um, so she was supposed to leave like the following week. And then I was like, dude, Vietnam Airlines are closing flights. Like you just need to go. So we sent her a week early and I knew I wasn't going to see her for a month or so. And Thailand's closed all inbound and outbound flights. So about week eight, which was two weeks after she was gone, I, I was I was struggling, man. And, like, the only connection I really had with people, because we've been put on lockdown, is the podcast. Um, and, like, through video. But it's the same thing with my wife. I'm FaceTiming her three times a day. But I was going a little stir-crazy. But now I'm kind of to the point where, I, yeah, like you said, it, it's normalized now. We kind of have an idea of what needs to be done when it comes to phys ed or any discipline that you're teaching. The one thing that I've started to change is towards the beginning, I was trying to, I thought it would be effective, um, or not the beginning, but the middle is I was creating like on like assignments for them to do like physical education or activity assignments where they could involve their family, they could record it. And to take away, and then I'd condense my class time down so they wouldn't be in front of that screen for that long. Um, and then I had a, I did a survey with them today about office hours. Um, 
and they're saying like some kids are saying they're doing eight hours of homework a day um, on top of like their live sessions. So I was like, all right, I vow no more homework for me. We'll just do classes live as we did with the Monopoly thing this week. And um, they said they really like the assignments. They're creative and fun, but they're, they're just drowning right now. So I think we really need to assess what we're assigning. And just because we're not in school doesn't mean we need to double-decker uh, the assignments. Well, and, like, actually, that's funny you mentioned that because my wife and I were talking about it. And she's an inclusion specialist. And we were talking about, like, what, what, are, what are acceptable expectations right now? Because people are still kind of approaching this distance learning idea as, like, you know, this is going to be kind of similar to what I do in the classroom, but it's a completely different dynamic. Like number one thing is we don't have that structured time to work with the students. They don't have the structured support like we have in the classroom. So managing what we expect from our students should be realistic. And like, like you said, like uh, the kids, even my students are just getting bogged down with everything, this, that, the other thing from a lot of core assignments and, like even for these next two weeks, like we met as a P department. This is actually where the idea of like, hey, do you know, let's just give them something kind of creative and fun. And we designed that creative game and pushed it out. And that's like a two week breather for those kids on our ends. Like, hey, we they just actually we just we're finishing up report cards this weekend. Okay. So the last two weeks have been nothing but assignments and tests and these kids are already stressed because they're taken out of the routines, but now they're given these assessments that will be taken in for marks applied to their report card. And it's a, uh, we decided like out of just student wellness, let's just give them a breather. Yeah. And I even did that. Cause I also teach a social studies core as well. And I even said like, you guys, I have everything I need from you guys to give a report card mark. That's valid. We're just going to kind of just coast through, like cut things down from half what is usually what we're doing and just kind of, give you guys a little bit of a breather for the next two weeks it's been it's been a struggle for some of those students because it's something that's completely new and like my wife put in a good perspective like imagine when you're in university trying to do an online course how difficult that was but in university you knew how you learned you knew how to manage yourself and like especially with middle school kids like i'm i have mostly grade seven and eight nines these students do not have those skill sets developed yet they do not know how they learn, but yet we're expecting them to, to know the stuff. And we got to be kind of real, uh, kind of appreciative of where they're at and right. maybe scale things back a bit. Yeah. And uh, it's hard, man. I mean, I'll be the first to admit that I didn't think the assignments I was giving out was that bad because I shortened my class time. And they, they never said specifically what assignments are bogging down. And I'm sure. Mine wasn't that bad because I gave them like a week and a half to create a game at home and have somebody film it. But if you're adding that on top of they got to do this paper, this project, this, I mean, um, I just said, and I encourage people on Twitter to try, um, if you can, I just posted a little while ago, try to do some assessing live, like live in the class. See if you can do some work that limits the homework load. I mean, I understand you need to have homework. It's always been part of how we learn and it's good to do some self-reflecting to be able to work on your own, I understand that. But we also should try to maximize the time we have together 
on those online sessions and try to do some of our assessments there. Oh yeah, like you're trying to get two birds with one stone and that's the one thing like we we have to meet with our students once a week but when you add up like our middle school students they have eight classes they have to meet with there's right, right out of the get-go there's eight hours of online meetings right. throughout the week and once you on top of that you have the support sessions you have other sessions like i looked at some of our kids schedules and there's days where they have just a full day of online meetings and i'm sitting there I raised the questions like if we're doing, if we're having our students do this, how are we managing that workload so that they can still do like work. Right. But during those days where it's four meetings back to back to back to back. And yeah, yeah and it's and before I end on it. I mean, there were some students that said three hours of work a day, um, but most students said between five and eight. Um, yeah. And so there is a range. Um, it just depends. And it also might, uh, just might be the kid exaggerating a little bit, but <laughs> oh, it could be that too. It could be a time management piece or like I mentioned earlier, it could be that, that skills part where they don't know how they learn or manage themselves at this point And they don't have the tools to do that effectively. Right. So there is a reason people that are listening that I brought this up. I think this ties perfectly into planning and Jace just had his, Ebook released. Um, awesome. Purposeful planning unit plans by Tin Can Phys Ed. His website. You need to check it out. TinCanPhysEd.com. Okay. Um, so today we are going to go over um, how to uh, create a planning guide using his uh, model and platform. And um, you guys are probably sick of me talking about it, so we're just going to find <laughs> ways to implement it. We're going to uh, talk about like a creative play unit and how we can his, use his model in order to make a plan for it, assessment, and uh, so on and so on. So uh, let's get started. So um, do you want to start with the unit planning guide? Yeah, we could unpack that, and then uh, okay. you, I think you kind of took a good segue. Like we were just talking about using time effectively, and it's about making learning connect to a bigger purpose—not just busy work right now, but anything that's coming out to our students. It needs to be connected to a bigger idea. And I've always found, like, since using this, and I've been using this approach for quite some time, like three or four years mm -hmm. and just switch my thinking of it. <clears throat> so everything that's come out is always connected to a bigger issue, bigger uh, perspective, bigger idea, bigger outcome. And it's that understanding of why. And that's really the whole purpose behind the purposeful planning kind of framework is really emphasizing why we're doing this, why we're learning it and kind of taking the focus off of what are we doing just to kind of get that, that higher cognitive ability, that higher uh, level of learning, that deeper level of understanding with the kids. So if we take a look at kind of even just how it rolls out is, like the first thing you always ask about, like if you look at the template is, yeah. what is what is the title of it? And then what are the connections to the bigger outcomes? So like how do these, how do, how do all the, the learning uh, steps after this connect to the bigger picture right. and it's having that solid connection which i feel always brings it back to that why so you could have a lesson based on just even let's say uh game design now how does that idea of game design tie into a bigger idea 
So um, recently we did our create a game unit and the whole idea was, can you design or designing a game that'll keep me active at home? All right. Why are we designing a game? So I could use the resources around me to play a game at home. We're always going back to that central idea. Yeah. And what I like about this is when it comes to creative play, um, so this, just to people who are listening, I know my big passion is unstructured, um, play and whatnot and giving kids time to do that. But in my webinar, I also talked about, you need to be able to give the kids the knowledge on how to do that. So creative play units are really a great way to do that. Again, this isn't going to be a play unit where there's no structure, where they're just going out and free playing. Um, so I just want to make that clear. So um, if you were to start with connection to outcomes, um, let's discuss the different types of outcomes that would be included in creating one's own play or a group uh, creating play. So um, I would say, well, go ahead. Sorry. Well, like when you talk about connection outcomes, so... Uh, what we've actually done is we've taken a look at our curricular outcomes. So we're given statements from Alberta Education where you need to cover these specific outcomes in your lessons. And we looked at those outcomes and those all connected to a bigger picture. Those are things that like engagement, uh, like, like application of skills, demonstration of understanding, leadership, teamwork, all those little ideas connected to a bigger idea. So we actually took everything and connected to just a larger overarching idea. So if we're looking at the concept of creative play, like some of the some of the connection to the outcomes, like the big ideas behind this could even be just, OK, even just like a leadership role is uh, taking the time to like solve social disputes or to communicate and effectively manage a group of people. That's going to be something that's going to be happening throughout this unit. Now, that's tied to a bigger idea of leadership and depending on your curricular outcomes you may or may not have a specific standard or outcome that connects to that larger idea. So when we talk about like the connection to the outcomes, like what are the big ideas that you want students to walk away with from this unit? Right. And I think it's important to also analyze um, in his uh, template walkthrough, uh, we just talked about is what, how does this connect to your big curricular outcomes? But I think the other important thing, because this is, probably one of the most important things um, when reaching kids in all physical education aspects, uh, he asked the question, are there any lifelong learning connections? And so I think when it comes to creative play, just like you talked about for one example just now, is leadership and the others could be, and this is also going to go into types of learnings, but these would be more subcategories is like learning how to interact with one another in an appropriate manner, um, dealing with emotions and frustrations and stuff like that. So it's definitely going to have the social aspect um, when it comes to lifelong learning connections. And I think the most important thing is um, for me, and you can disagree with me. I mean, this is not scripted. So um, I think game appreciation and an appreciation for achievements of, one another, like I talked about the other day, when you're playing capture the flag, there's not only one way to achieve or success. Um, capturing the flag is one way, but like I said, making a plan or hiding in the bushes, creating a distraction. Um, I think the great thing about creative play 
is there's multiple avenues to success and that's true um, when you become an adult so uh, in my opinion that would be one example of lifelong learning connections well even like when i think about your unit and think about some of the examples you gave in your webinar is creative play like to me when you're unpacking your your purpose for it and unpacking what you're doing Everything that was happening in that is connecting to the like a, the larger idea of just like having the value of activity right. and th that appreciation of play, like the leadership. Everything else is kind of secondary, tertiary, <clears throat> but it's the big ideas just bringing value to play, like expressing that the joy and the fun that play simply has. And I think when we're talking about creative play, that's a that's a really big critical outcome is are we demonstrating a value or, or kind of fostering the growth of the value of play? Totally. So um, if we move on to types of learning, um, first question, what pedagogical approaches will you take if you're doing a creative play unit? And this is actually where it becomes really teacher focused in terms of this, where it's the type of strategies that you would feel comfortable as a professional because everybody everywhere is in a different part of their professional journey. <clears throat> like you and I were talking because you, this is your seventh year, correct? Yeah. And this is, for me, this is my 14th and Throughout my time as an educator, just working with kids and just through professional development, I might be more comfortable trying different things. You're going to be more comfortable trying different things that I may not even be comfortable with. So this is where it really kind of falls into the kind of comfort zone where the teachers are at, where thinking, okay, how can I deliver these big ideas and have the students engage in the process as well? So it's really kind of looking at, like, are your approaches going to be teacher-centered, student-centered? and almost along that whole paradigm of, uh, of uh, pedagogical control. Brilliant, man. Uh, I, I'm loving this. This is, I, I just want to say before we continue, I, I know this is like an educational listening experience. Uh, Jace, Jace and I are pretty goofy guys, but right now we're, we're trying to give you some content. Um, <laughs> check out the ebook, man. It, it's, it's been money for me as far as just designing uh, lessons at home, and I'm really excited when we go back to school to have this resource. So um, I will also uh, relink this in the description. Yeah, and I think even with the ebook, because I've even evolved it with the whole e-learning idea, because the how we plan for like kind of successful e-learning structure, it's even that's even a little different than how we would in a classroom. Like when I was designing this ebook, it was when a lot of people were still at school teaching, like, well, let's just look at how this could be used here. Right. And I've actually adjusted the template where there's now even a section for e-learning e planning. How could we get our e-learning follow a purposeful structure as well? So that will be updated. Actually, I'll be addressing that uh, in my webinar tomorrow with Jared um, on the on the at Connected uh, PE uh, online summit. Yeah, I definitely want to link that. I'm already registered um, for that, but I definitely want to link that in the description too. So maybe some people that uh, just haven't seen it or whatnot uh, can have access to it because I think it's going to be really beneficial to uh, PE, HPE teachers of all walks of life and wherever you are. Um, okay, so we kind of, like, we don't want to, dive into specifically because I think people will get the idea. 
Um, you talked about teacher, student or teacher centered, so types of learning, nailed it. Uh, central idea of development, the main focus of this would be in a creative atmosphere. Why are we doing this? And what is the purpose of the unit of inquiry? Uh, dive in, dude. It's, uh, <clears throat> so this is that central idea I talked about earlier, like coming back. So every lesson approaches this central idea. And actually for this part of it, I usually like using the whole reference, like how can we explain it so Ugg the caveman could understand the game? How can we take something as maybe complex as basketball, something with a lot of moving parts to it? How do we break that down to the most simplest, purest of forms? And I actually usually have the students do this, and it's a really good idea, a good activity because we get right down to the basic concepts. But then I have kids coming up to the whiteboard go, Ugg take ball to other territory, shoot ball to hoop, score, Ugg win. And it's and they're just and it gets them being part of the process. And right. it's they and then that's them reinforcing, okay, what is the central idea of this unit of discovery? So if we look at the concept of like a creative play, like how do we take this and break it down into the most purest of forms? I love it, man. And and like we said before, um talking about just the benefits of joy and happiness and finding what that feels like, I think is such a huge part of a child's life. So really understanding why um, is so important. Um, so thank you for elaborating on that. Um, so we're kind of, I would say, there's two subcategories here, specific outcome and task-specific criterion skills. Um, and then I would like to get into this assessment because I don't want to take too much of your time. But could you quickly jump into those two subcategories? So looking at those two, those are actually setting the framework of your potential summative assessment. Because if we look at the specific outcomes, uh, if you look at our examples, um, and even the examples I've been rolling out, is I usually have a link to what our outcomes are or our assessment criteria that we've developed at the school. So what are the specific, specific criteria that we're going to be looking at that students should be able to demonstrate by the end of this unit? So if we're looking at specific aspects of engagement, looking at aspects of critical understanding, learning, skill application, the leadership, uh, social, social developmental phase of it, we have in there the base statements where the students should be demonstrating it to be to demonstrate successful learning at this at the in this unit. But then the task specific criteria and skills is what would these basic criteria statements look like, like in person? Right. So we just sit there and actually break it down. So if I take a look at even just like fielding and striking, I just gotta. I quit, I lost it, but then I need to go back and get it. So I've looked back at my fielding striking. Cause I did this, uh, this process for like a fielding striking unit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, some of the, the specific outcomes was chooses an appropriate level of, of challenge of engagement to participate in physical activities. So that's one of our specific outcomes. Now, how would this actually look like if I were to see this in person? So this would be me watching the students select a level of engagement or play that best fits their abilities. You could have, maybe we have students who are excellent athletes, but are they they're just going through the motion? Like, are they showing me that appropriate level of challenge based on their abilities? Or are they playing the game at a level that's challenging for them? 
So this is where we get to be really specific to show the students, this is what specifically we want to see if you're demonstrating this outcome. So it just kind of takes our specific outcome that we're given by us by whatever governing body we're given. Now, what does that actually look like in this context? We look at object manipulation. Okay, well, if we're, we're doing a, a net, net wall game unit, okay, can they be using the racket or are they using the rackets in proper ways, the proper grip? And we just would break things down to be very specific, very concrete as to show us if the basic level of understanding is these are the things you should be demonstrating. So that's where the task-specific criteria and skills comes into play. And it's very unique for every unit. So each unit, you might be using the same outcomes from other units, right. but the task-specific criteria is going to change depending on your focus of, uh, of inquiry. So what are you looking at? Right. And I really think that opens the doors. I know you were talking about some of it earlier, but I think creative play really opens the doors for a, a great chance for uh, formative assessments too. Like when I talked about the creative play gauntlet and uh, remember I showed that video of the, what I call it, cone zone where you're in the Frisbee square and there's two defenders in the middle and then four people on the outside that can move back and forth only between their own cones. So that was, that was, put together piece by piece by piece. Originally, I made that video for grad school to show an example of my teaching. Um, but I think that um, it really gives the opportunity for students to be able to be coaches, to, for students to be able to be referees and always be involved. And they're also learning the skill development or the type of play, whatever you want to call it, as they go. And then you can add new things, as you said before. Yeah, and that's those things you just listed, like being the referees, designing the game, adding in progressions. Right there would be excellent examples of, okay, what's the task-specific criteria that you're going to be, the skills you're going to be learning and developing as we go through this unit. So right there, that's all they could be is officiating games or or designing games that have progression and it, each unit is going to be different for whatever the context is. Yeah, dude, you're so money. I'm so glad you're on the talk right now. <laughs> um, I don't want to get into too much because I want people to uh, not just listen to this podcast over and over again, but go get your book. Uh, um, just can you just kind of give an overview of the lesson plans and then we'll be good. All right, so if we're looking at the lesson plans, so after so after our task specific, we move into our lesson plans. And the one thing about the structure of the lesson plan is at the very top of it is like, what is going to be our, our final activity? I'm always thinking about the end in mind. And this is kind of taking a page out of that backwards by design learning yeah. piece. Uh, it's, a, it's a pedagogical approach that was thrown to, into me years ago. And always thinking about your end at mind and always thinking about that end activity. So being at your summative assessment or what's the final activity going to be. And that's, that's building everything up from there. So as we progress and develop our lessons, I always actually start with my final lesson first. Okay, what do I want the last lesson of my unit to look like or the last activity? What does that look like? Okay, the lesson before that. What do we need to do to, to have a progressive step moving forward for that next lesson? So how do I even scaffold that back 
So introducing different things. So if I was doing going back to my fielding and striking example, maybe my last activity is going to be a softball World Series tournament where they have to be run the teams, they have to be the coaches, they have to do everything, and it's all on them. And all I'm really doing is usually pitching because I'm probably the most consistent pitcher when it comes to kids playing a game. So then, okay, how does that look like before that? Where do the students need to be at before that? And just even working all the way backwards, right up until you get to the point of introducing the game. Um, and still using that fielding and striking example. Usually, like in my international experiences, a lot of students have never played fielding and striking games. So yes, there's some exposure to cricket. There's some exposure to this, that, and other thing. But this is a very new and novel game for them. Mm-hmm. So even just introducing and getting that idea, okay, where are the students at at this point? So getting that kind of uh, that base skill assessment, that base understanding of where your students are at. But that was all designed backwards from they should be able to play a full game. Okay, how do we get them to the final point? Film the steps going backwards to the point where we might have students who are coming in with no skill, with no understanding, no experience. And then as you kind of backwards by design, those gaps are filled in. So you're usually looking at me like, wow, this is actually very progressive. And it takes a lot of really good purposeful steps forward towards a final activity. Yeah, for sure, man. And I want to thank you a lot for really um, just being a humble dude and diving into your book and helping me and other people understand how to create a creative play unit um, out of that. I think you guys will uh, really benefit from the book because the visuals really lay it out. Um, it's aesthetically pleasing. I, th- I like the way uh, you made the charts and the colors. I think you did a really good job with that. And uh, you're helping people every day, man. I'm really excited for your summit tomorrow. Um, so if you could do me a favor after this call real quick, uh, just text me the link in the uh, in Twitter message so I can easily just uh, copy Copy, paste that. Yeah, I think I should. I, I might have it in my email too because I already registered. So I guess I could do a little work myself. <laughs> <laughs> I just want everyone to do everything for me. Um, I, I will look at it and if I can't find it, I'll. Um, anything you're excited about? Any questions? Um, anything before we wrap uh, up? No. Like, I'm actually really excited to see how you could take this concept of planning and, and put that towards your creative play. Like, I, looking at it myself and seeing where this can, this can go and kind of having an idea where you want the students at at the end of this learning experience right. and then seeing the steps built in. I think, like, like recently I just pushed out, uh, like, we're going to be doing a new, new unit learning from home, and I use the same approach. And the thing that a lot of people give me the feedback on is – this is something anybody can take and walk away with. So the one thing with personal planning is, let's say you want to continue this this unit next year, but the teacher who has this age group, maybe you're not that teacher anymore. Like, hey, I have this idea. You can also you can give them this learn this uh, this kind of teaching guide, and it just lays everything out very in a straightforward manner in a very progressive manner. You can see the progression just in the visual. Right. And I also like how you, in, in the book, you have the template. So 
anyone that has it can just create their own lesson within the template. They don't have to recreate it. Um, so that was very kind of you as well. Yeah, like there's the, the link in there is directly right into Canva. So I've actually designed this using Canva. Yeah. And when you click on the link, it'll it'll shoot you your own editable template. So you could change the colors, you could change everything you want in it. But it gives you that framework and something to start with, which I feel that a lot of people really appreciate the fact that I could just double click here, put in what I need to put in, and it's there for you. It's very, uh, very easy and easy to just kind of fill it in. Totally. So thanks, man. You're a machine. You're doing big things. Um, so main takeaways from today is uh, try to do some assessing in on live sessions. Don't try to overload your kids too much. I, I know that's difficult. And uh, make sure you listen all the way through because Jace really outlined how to just take and this is just an example because I'm passionate about creative play. We could have gone um, anyway with the type of planning or like if we were going to do TGFU or whatever. Um, so this is just an example, but I, since I'm passionate about it, I wanted to talk to him about how to make a creative play unit uh, using his planning model. So definitely uh, check it out. And thanks for listening. Jace, thanks for coming by. Uh, do you have class? Oh, you're on. You just told me you don't have anything today. Good Friday. Yeah, it's Good Friday. So our school is, uh, yeah, we don't have any classes today. Okay. So we just kind of have to go decorate some Easter eggs a little bit later and enjoy a little bit of family time. And the weather's been beautiful here. That Kind of the silver lining with everything that's happening is uh, the factory production out of China has really made the air quality amazing. Like it's oh, really? clear blue skies. It's the weather's been phenomenal. Awesome. So it's been, Can't been that, great to enjoy that. Yeah, definitely enjoy your time with the family. Um, I hope your Easter egg painting game is really awesome. <laughs> uh, you've never seen me draw a stick man before, so <laughs> we'll leave that at that. That's hey, man. Area. <laughs> uh, leaving on that note, I have seen some of the coolest pictures. Canva art. With stickmen. So I think stickmen get a bad rap. No, well, especially when I try to draw one on a whiteboard, it, it does not look <laughs> like a stickman. <laughs> All right, Jace, thanks so much for stopping by. I really right. appreciate the content. Thanks for having me on again, Pat. Really appreciate it and uh, enjoy these podcasts. All right. Thanks, man.